Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, the number one value investing podcast in the world, on air with my co-founder, Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how's it going today? Going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It is going great. We hope it's going great for everybody else. I think we got a lot to go over. Uh, there's a lot that has happened since Friday, a lot that happened today. Uh, what's today's date? Uh, on March 23rd, Monday, March 23rd in the markets. Um, of course, Jeff and I, since we are working remote um, and not working next to each other because of everything going on with coronavirus, we are over the air together. So if this is the first time that you are tuning with us, uh, the quality may not come through as good as it normally does, but we're definitely just going to do our best to roll with it and bring the best show possible. Before diving into everything, if this the first time that you're tuning in with us on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button, thumbs this video up. Monday through Friday, we are uploading um, a video that we record after the market closes. And then it's my goal to have it up really by um, you know seven o'clock Eastern time, six to seven o'clock Eastern time to really just give an update on the day. Uh, before we were on a schedule of three podcasts a week, but there's just so much going on in the world, in the world, in the market. Uh, so we switched the schedule as of right now to Monday through Friday. Uh, during the video, we are going to be going going over the Focus Compounding Daily, uh, which is an email that gets sent out every single day after the market close. Uh, to be able to sign up for that, go to focuscompounding.com and on the homepage, enter in your email. It is a free write-up that you get from Jeff on a topic in your email box every single day. Also, the best place to get access to really everything Focus Compounding is focuscompounding.com. If you sign up for the website, use the podcast promo code, which is podcast, and that'll take some money off of the subscription price indefinitely as long as you do stay a member. Alrighty, with that out of the way, Jeff, how are we doing today? Good. How are you doing? I think I'm doing okay. Feeling a little exhausted, right? Um, thank God tomorrow's Friday. Uh, but it's only uh -huh. Monday. <laughs> but it's only Monday. Um, uh, market closed. This is the SPX um, cash index. It closed down. Looks like two point nine three percent. There was a lot that happened today in the market. The Fed came out yesterday, Sunday night, saying that they uh, couldn't get the sorry, stimulus bill through Congress. And when that news came out, I think the futures went limit down. And then today they bet or they voted again. And they couldn't get it through again. So we're on our second time that the Fed could not get the stimulus bill passed through Congress. Or I'm sorry, that just Congress couldn't get it passed mm -hmm. um, you know, through everything. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we'll see. I think we talked about before, uh, I guess Thursday, there'll be initial uh, jobless claims. And probably if they haven't passed it by then, um, after they see those, they'll be easy to pass. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see when that. And you said that's Thursday? I think it's Thursday, yeah. Yeah, so that's... I mean, then, uh, states normally report it. We talked a little bit about this before. States normally report it, but I think what you said is that uh, the president had asked states not to give actual numbers out. Instead, just to say, like, a lot higher than in the past or something like that, you know? Yeah. I guess one thing that we should talk about or, or mention is that Dallas County, so where you live, you're Collin County, correct? Correct. Plano, Texas. So Dallas County, we're on a shelter-in-place right now. Um but I'm looking at my window right now, and I feel like there's been more activity today than there has been the past week on, on the road. So I don't necessarily know what's going on, but it's just Dallas County uh, that's in a, a, a shelter in place right now. And I think except for essential businesses. Um, another thing that happened today or last night, I guess, was the Federal Reserve. They pledged uh, asset purchase with basically no limit uh, to support markets. So they are running a QE Infinity and beyond, and they said that they will buy whatever they have to buy to support the markets. Uh, well, I think it's a little different than quantitative easing. So I think the point of quantitative easing is to um, achieve lower interest rates, especially further out. 
Uh, I think the point of this sort of thing is to provide liquidity like that. Um, things like, uh, uh, let's say municipalities and things just may not be able to borrow at all, say New York City or something, right? So New York City, if it's going through the problems that it's likely to go through in a few weeks, uh, just might be locked out of markets. People may not be willing to buy any debt from them. And so someone like the Federal Reserve might have to buy it. I think that's a little different than trying to lower rates when there's actually buyers for it. So I think this is more of a uh, emergency uh, program to provide liquidity for a while to all sorts of things that otherwise might be locked out of markets. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's necessarily to keep rates particularly low. It's just that otherwise you would have certain um, things not come to market, things fail, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then I guess the the last major news I found uh, interesting today was David Tepper, everyone's favorite hedge fund manager. He was on CNBC today and talking. And, you know, he, he sounded, um, he didn't sound like his upbeat self, right, in the market. And his main concern with everything going on right now is our healthcare system and that we don't have enough ventilators and that he's, you know, he's worried. He said he's nibbling. He said he's been nibbling on the way down, uh, but he definitely did not seem like his quote unquote, and I'm quoting him, balls to the wall long uh, David Tepper's self. So that's going to be interesting. He he gave a pretty good interview when he was talking and um, you could tell in the interview, he just sounded beat down quite honestly. And, um, you know, he's very concerned that we don't have enough ventilators to support whatever can potentially happen. Thoughts on that? I, I don't have any thoughts on David Tepper. No. Okay. All right. No thoughts on David Tepper. All right. Well, since we're not next to each other, yes, we're perfect. All right. And then for everybody that um, gets an email, if you haven't already, like I said, you could sign up at focuscompounding.com. Uh, it will look like this. And the question uh, was sent to Jeff through an email, and it was on Village Supermarket, which is a stock that Jeff has owned for, or you did own a long time ago. Right. And his question was, uh, he said, Village Supermarkets looks cheap, but SGNA has been growing faster than sales for like four years now. What do you think of the stock? And this is a, a company that Jeff actually worked at uh, a while ago, which is what initially piqued his interest on the stock. Um, so Jeff, maybe tell me a little bit about you know your response to him. He said, any thoughts on Village Supermarket, return of asset capital, uh, we're consistently above 10% until 2016. Since then, SG&A has really increased despite revenue not increasing dramatically. Any idea why this is happening? And then he said that it seems cheap. EV to EBIT is around six or seven times and price to book is 0.8. And then your response was, you think it uh, could be run a little bit more lean at the top and that you think the last few years have been very hard on supermarkets and that you think the stocks looks cheap if margins revert to the mean. So tell right. us a little bit about Village Supermarkets. Sure. So um, there's actually a pretty long thread about Village, surprisingly, at Corner of Berkshire and Fairfax. I'm not sure why it's gotten so much attention and why people are so interested in it, but it's there. Um, Village Supermarket is a member of the Wakefern Co-op. The Wakefern Co-op operates... Um, ShopRite supermarkets, mainly in New Jersey. That's where the brand's known. Uh, so the company, uh, like you said, when I worked for it, I worked for it 20 years ago as a cashier there. They've probably most have been replaced by, um, or been replaced in part by uh, computers and stuff to do that as people self-check out. Um, but the uh, company was really attractive in the late 1990s, early 2000s. Uh, it was very, very cheap. And it is... Um, for the first time getting closer to that, it became expensive for the last 10 years or so. Um, 
it is for a general supermarket. So like a generalist supermarket, like a Kroger or something like that, the one that has the highest returns on capital. There are some other supermarkets that have as high returns on capital, but they're more things that focus on um, uh, different store formats and stuff. So something like a Sprouts or a, uh, the fresh market or something might be able to achieve high returns on capital. But the ones that you would normally be looking at, the ones that you spend most of your shopping at, um, don't generally have that high returns on capital. And this one by far has the highest of any of the publicly traded ones left. Um, even when he said things about the return on capital thing, that's not adjusting for some stuff about the cash and things. So like the return on equity has been not as good, but that's because uh, websites calculate it not taking out money that they deposit at the um, uh, the co-op that they're a part of. They're one of the biggest owners of it. So they actually have a lot of excess cash compared to most supermarkets. Uh, I think it's had a bad, I mean, it's generally was earning as much or more money 10 years ago as it earns now. And that's from a combination of things of expenses continuing to rise on like SGNA, like you said, and uh, difficulty in raising prices, I think. Um, it's family owned through super voting shares. So there's nothing you can do about that. Also, because it's a member of the co-op, it's not realistic that it can be bought by a non-member. So like a Kroger can't buy it or something. You can basically have a financial buyer, like the family could take it private as an LBO or something, or you could have another member of the Wakefront co-op buy it. It's like another ShopRite member. Um, but I don't think that you could have it taken over by one of the big supermarkets. So I'm a little surprised that people are as excited about it as they are, um, just like as interested as they are in that thread. It's kind of a pretty um, dull kind of stock right now compared to a lot of what's out there. Um, however, it is a supermarket, so people will keep going there. It's not going to be badly affected by the virus, probably. Um, and it is fairly cheap. Uh, it has excellent leases on some of the best properties, especially in northern New Jersey, and they're very, very long-term leases, often 20-year leases with like two 10-year options to extend and stuff like that. And um, that's what a lot of what gets them their earning power. And I think the stores are very well run at the store level. I mentioned a little bit in there that family members, I think there's like five family members that are paid a million dollars or more or something like that if you add it all together. That does eat a little bit into it. That probably takes 10% or something off of what they otherwise would earn. Um, so you have those issues. One upside to it, I should point out, is that the earnings somewhat understate the shares that you would buy because um, your shares that you can buy in the market have a higher dividend than the B shares. And the way that websites work is they add the A shares and the B shares together and stuff like that to calculate market cap enterprise value. But in reality, the family shares will always receive less dividends than your shares will. And in a stock like this, over a long period of time, a lot of your return will come in the dividends. And so in reality, your shares should be worth more than their shares, except for the fact that theirs can vote, but they have voting control anyway. So there's no point in buying the, in buying the B shares. So the A shares actually should be more valuable. Um, so I should point that out just because it's a slight miscalculation that um, like the PE and everything is sort of slightly wrong in the sense that the dividend that you get will be higher. So really your PE is effectively kind of lower. Got it. Um, no, I think that's good. And then there is a, I think the stock has been written up on focus compounding. A it few has times. a full 10,000 word write up by me, yep. uh -huh. um, from a few years ago. So there's a full write up that you can get on that. And it ha was written up fairly recently by someone else too. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a strong supermarket in there. If you're going to buy a supermarket stock, this one would make a lot of sense. It doesn't normally carry debt. It uses 
leases in really good locations, it's hard for others to compete with it. They're fairly large format stores, 70,000 square feet or something is pretty common for them now. Um, there are some competitors which probably could hurt them. Uh, if Wegmans moved into the area or something, that could hurt them. They were in the bidding for Fairway, um, which is a bankrupt uh, New York-based um, chain. And that might have excited some people. I don't know if that was part of the corner of Berkshire and Fairfax thing or why people were talking about it. Uh, in general, supermarkets that buy stuff outside of their their historical range don't do that well. This company expanded to Maryland. They've expanded to New York City. That's generally not going to be as profitable as just staying in your area in New Jersey. No one knows the shop right name that far out usually. So, got it, got it. So, a new thing that we're going to do, Jeff, with these daily um, uh, podcasts, which you don't even know what we're doing, is I'm going to come with a handful of stocks that we're just going to go over. Some of these stocks are stocks that either somebody tweeted at me, they commented on YouTube. Uh, but again, you know, I just want to make this podcast as you know, practical and actionable as possible, especially because there's just so much going on. And I mean, any company, I guess, is down from over a month ago. Um, you know, and I just think it's good. And, and that's a good way that I want to go about these podcasts. So Royal Caribbean, the stock was up uh, 18% today. I don't know if you saw the news, Jeff, um, but they entered a $2.2 billion, 364-day secured loan or uh, term facility secure term loan facility. Um, right. Obviously, that was you know perceived as good by his investors because of liquidity. Uh, any thoughts on on this sort of news? Did you see this news earlier? Uh, but no, this, with um, this 2.2 billion, I think it says that the company now has over 3.6 billion of liquidity. Um, you know, now uh, since entering this secured term loan. Okay, um, the company. If we could go to Quick FS. Uh, so yep. you go to quickfs.net for RCL. I already yeah. got it up. Look at that. I knew you were yeah. going. Yeah. So if you look, their operating profit last year was what? $2 billion? Uh, let's see. Operate. Yep. $2 billion. And revenue was what? $10.9 billion. So $11 billion. So yeah. the gap between them was $9 billion. So they now have $3 billion in cash. And last year they had $9 billion in expenses. I don't know. That doesn't sound like someone I would lend money to. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's fine, but all these things are bouncing, but they have to be bouncing based on bigger things like bailouts and expe expectation that people will return to cru uh, cruises and stuff. Now, obviously, you can cut a huge amount of those expenses, but say that you cut your expenses by um, 50%, then you would still be eating up that three and a, and a half mil a billion or so in about a year. Uh -huh. um, so you have to cut your expenses by more than 50%. Is that possible? Yeah, a huge part of it is fuel. So that's gone. Lots of other things are gone too. But so they could cut it by way more than 50%. But it's just that without passengers, all the cruise lines can't survive. Um, and that's one of the interesting things about these bailouts and stuff being talked about. If they're just in the form of loans, it's hard for these companies to get back to buying ships and things over time. It does create a depression in their industry. Because if you load them up with a lot of debt, they're not going to go out and buy more ships over time and stuff. So if you really want to get the industry back on its feet and buying things for the shipyards in Europe and stuff where they build these things, uh, economically getting these things stimulated, it has to really be in some form other than just loading them up with a lot of debt. They need some way to be able to, whether it's direct cash that they get or equity stakes that government's taken them or what, but I think it'll be hard for them to um, get growing again, given, you know, uh, I mean... Royal Caribbean already had some debt before all this started, so you, you can't just pile on several billion more and a lot of loss and chew that all up in cash, you know, burn it off 
and have them get back to buying the ships that they were and everything in the future. So it's going to be hard for this industry to expand a lot in the future. And that will be tough economically for the places that depend on it. Uh-huh. No, I, I definitely agree with you. Another company that I wanted to go over, Howard Hughes Corporation. Remember, we went yeah. over HHC. They own uh, Master Plan Communities in Houston, uh, the yep. Woodlands. Uh, mm-hmm. Where else? Arizona, I believe. Or is it Las Vegas? A couple of areas over the country. They have Summerlin, Nevada. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what it they was. Had, yeah. They had one in uh, Maryland, I believe. They have this, the uh, Hawaii. Um, they're doing a smaller development there. Seaport District the, in New York. South, yeah, Seaport, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were looking at it years ago. I think the stock was like, what, maybe around $100 per share, maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it has fallen to $37.44 per share. Yeah, I noticed that. I did look a, uh, at this. I haven't looked um, uh, to break down what their situation is in terms of debt and everything. But it is definitely interesting compared to other real estate stocks. So I've been surprised by how much some real estate stocks have not declined as much as you might expect that they should um, and how this one has. But this is more of a sum of the parts, a lot of things in development stuff. I think this has always been a kind of weird stock that way. Um, People always like the ones that have the the cash flows coming off of it because they own a bunch of different, you know, um, uh, apartments or, or office buildings or whatever. Those will have problems too, lots of problems, but uh, for whatever reason, this kind of thing is a lot less popular. Um, same as a lot of things. I don't know if they're going to need help that way. They do have the big issue uh, tied to Houston, which might concern people, but I think that's over. Uh, I don't want to say it's overdone, but like when people ask about frost and will they have higher loan losses and about energy things and stuff, I think that's focusing on the wrong thing. Uh, all banks are going to have a lot higher energy. Uh, all banks are going to have a lot, high, a lot higher loan losses, regardless of whether they're exposed to energy or something. They've made loans to all sorts of things that'll be hit in a uh, in a severe, uh, sharp recession. And this will, you know, for, they make loans to all sorts of things from hotels to restaurants to whatever is a normal part of what they do. Airlines. So um, I think that exposure to one industry isn't really as big a deal here. And people are worried about Houston and stuff. But, you know, I don't know that Houston will be worse than places that are badly affected by uh, coronavirus and shut things down. So obviously, anyone exposed to New York might be really badly hurt or Seattle or wherever they do severe shutdowns of things. Any exposure to California could be bad, you know. So I think that people are kind of focused in narrowly on some stuff. specific places that this is a much more general issue. So it's a much more general issue if you have a lot of debt. Um, I don't like a lot of real estate companies right now because they have a lot of debt, which is nominal debt. Um, and then they have a lot of uh, real estate assets and all likelihood the real estate assets will be worth a lot less and the debt will be worth the same. That's what happens in recessions or depressions. Um, the value of the dollar doesn't decline. So you end up having to pay back uh, your debt basically at market value is a lot higher percentage of your your assets at market value. If your real estate declines by a third or something in value, and the um, and there's deflation of one percent or something, then you're actually paying back even more cash, while the assets that you have backing it are worth a lot less. So, mm-hmm. that's and if common. I remember if I remember correctly, Jeff, wasn't a lot of their debt structured non recourse to Howard Hughes? Uh, I don't know exactly in detail, uh, but that's common. I mean, so if you were looking at like Brookfield asset management or something, that those sorts of things are usually how it's done. Um, so that's that's very possible. Yeah, that's usually uh-huh. how you do real estate comments. Yeah, yeah, and I know 
with the stock being at $37.44, I'm pretty sure it's under Pershing Square's average cost basis, which obviously Bill Ackman is the chairman of Howard Hughes Corporation. That's a Dallas-based company. But I just thought that was interesting that we looked at this company, I don't know, what, two and a half, three years ago. Yeah, and, and we tried to do you know, well some of the parts. Yeah, we tried to do some of the parts on it um, and see what we thought, taking in the net present value of what they develop and everything. It's interesting because I like the idea of master plan communities as opposed to owning stuff that you um, – that you don't uh, have con- control over that way. The value can go up for those places. And they've done a good job on a few of those communities of making yeah. them more valuable over time. It's a long-term sort of thing. Um, not a very high returning business though, because you have to use a lot of debt to get decent returns by owning all that land. But yeah. Got it. Um, uh, a stock that we have written about on uh, Focus Compounding, we've also talked about it on a few different podcasts, Monarch Cement. A uh, few people have asked about that because the stock, I believe, is close to um, book value, one times book value, which is, I believe, kind of in the area where you said that you'd be interested in revisiting it. Um, think, stock is yeah. at $47.50. And I know you like the general, the business in general. So I don't know if you have any updated thoughts on it, maybe want to comment on it. Sure. I think the stock is uh, quite a bit below tangible book value now. It would be really interesting about two-thirds of tangible book value. One thing to keep in mind, uh, two things to keep in mind. One, in recession, this amount will be hurt badly, obviously. But two, um, this company owned a lot of stock in other companies exposed to the same industries. So they own stock in um, cement, energy, home building, things like that. Uh, so presumably that stock portfolio will be very badly hurt by this, um, just because stocks generally decline and also because they're more exposed to that stuff. Um, that was always an odd part about what the company was doing. Uh, it's very, very conservatively run. Uh, it is a very interesting business. Um, I think it's a very safe business. If you could buy it, you know, privately, if you could acquire it and put, you know, whether you need to put debt on it or whether you need to take care of some of the things that they do. They have some businesses that aren't as great. The actual plant itself is really valuable and certainly worth more than one times book value. Um, you can also do it on like a replacement cost basis and things like that by figuring out the capacity and the tons. And we talked a little bit about that. Um, it's cheap. I think it would be probably more attractive under about $40 a share and maybe even less than that compared to other stocks because it's only going to get maybe a 8 to 12% return on its tangible equity over time. So it's just not as attractive as some businesses that have very high returns on capital. So it's interesting, but there's other things that are a lot more interesting long-term. Got it. What are your thoughts on Berkshire right now? Um, I don't know. So Berkshire has fallen. Uh, let's see. How far is Berkshire falling versus like the S&P 500 right now? Well, it looks like it's gone from... Uh, I mean, what do you want? Like a high? Okay. I mean, it's kind of they hit this all-time high on 121. It looks like, yeah, pretty close to it. So, and we're at 162.13, so, 231.61. That's less than 30% from yeah. 160. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. They have a very large stock portfolio that's obviously worth a lot less now. Um, mm-hmm. And people always factor that in. Uh, however, I think it's more attractive to buy the stock when the stocks that it to buy Berkshire when the stocks it owns are cheap. I only owned Berkshire one time in, in my life, uh, which is very early, uh, around like April of 2009, I bought it. Um, so it was because when you backed out the stock portfolio, the overall, st- the overall company looked really cheap, and I thought the stock portfolio was cheap. Going into this, I did not think the stock portfolio was cheap at all. I thought they owned a lot of pretty expensive stocks generally. 
Um, they own a lot of banks, which are hurt by this. They own a lot of Apple. Um, I think that Berkshire might be able to deploy a lot of capital if this lasts for a long time. They won't be able to do it if it's if it um, ends quickly. So you might have a chance that Buffett might be able to use much more capital than you expected. And Berkshire is one of the very, very, very few companies that would actually buy back its own stock. Um, almost everyone else in the world won't buy back its stock during this. So, uh, but Berkshire would be open to buying back its stock if it got to really cheap prices in a, in a panic or in a recession or depression or whatever happens. So other companies won't do that or won't do that for a very long time. And uh, Berkshire would. So I think overall, Berkshire's chances of outperforming other stocks has gone up a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was cheap going into this. Got it. Got it. Interesting. And then I guess the last company that we could go over that somebody had asked on YouTube was Booking. BKNG. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever looked at this company. We can maybe pull yeah. up its quick FS. It has, it has a write-up on the website. Um, uh-huh. So it, yeah, uh, I don't know why that's happening on quick FS. Uh, but it has a write-up on the Focus Compounding website that's pretty long. Um, Booking is a very good business. It's a very big business. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, someone asked me recently, and I think it'll be in a, in a future email, that they asked specifically about what businesses I thought that Berkshire could buy, as in buy stock in and buy uh, overall. And this is one of the very few companies that I could see Berkshire buying stock in it because it's still, well, it's cheap now, right? So it's cheap for the first time in a very long time. Yeah. It's a market cap is still like 50 billion. So Berkshire is not going to buy more than 10% of a company, but it could buy, put 5 billion into a company like that. The problem for Berkshire, obviously, is it has trouble buying entire companies at these prices because no one will sell you the entire company, but there's huge stocks that you might buy. So for a $50 billion stock, this one looks really, really interesting. It's obviously extremely exposed to the uh, travel industry because what it is, is um, booking uh, hotel rooms and more so in Europe than the U.S., um, and some other places in the world too, but l- less of a U.S. business, uh, even though it's a it's a U.S. company. Um, so I think it's a great business. I think it's wide moat. Uh, the question has always been like how the marketing will work with Google and stuff like that. It will be as effective in the future. But this is the kind of thing I would look at more than like Monarch Cement or something like that, because you're in a situation where you could be um, getting something at a really good price that you could then hold for ten years or something. So if something like this is a stock that you could buy, then it's very exciting in the longer term because it has this ability to compound and has these high returns on capital. And so you can make a lot more money from it than buying something which really can't retain a lot of earnings and really doesn't have very high returns on equity. So I'd be much more focused in this kind of um, market environment on stocks like Booking than stocks like Village or uh, Monarch Cement or something like that. In many ways, I think Booking is cheaper than those stocks. yeah. So, but it's exposed the same way that Amadeus would be or anything like that. You know, Amadeus does um, uh, services for airlines. Um, those are good businesses, but, you know, it, they, booking won't survive unless hotels survive, you know? Yeah. So it may be an unpopular stock for a long time and it may have some, uh, some solvency things and stuff like that, I guess, eventually. Uh, it has a lot of. Hey, Jeff. A lot, yeah. Can you turn your headphones off and turn them back on? We're kind of getting a weird connection coming through. We're doing this live, folks. I'm not even going to cut it out. I'm not even going to cut it. Uh, can you hear me okay? Beautiful. There's that good voice I know. Okay. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, booking um, 
had a lot of cash, but it had some debt and stuff too. Uh, it, it actually held some equity securities, if I remember right. I haven't seen their balance sheet in a little while, but they had some unusual um, capital allocation compared to some other stocks. And I don't know if that was relating to how they choose to invest what they consider their float or why they were doing that. But I think that they may be owning some securities that are likely to decline in value, if I remember right. Um, so the next balance sheet you get might be updated in a negative way, more so than you would get at other companies. I mean, what are your thoughts on just airlines in general right now? So Buffett owns a bunch. Obviously, airlines have been in the news, um, you know, because they're seeking aid, I guess, a bailout from the government. Trump has said that they are going to backstop them. I mean, what are your thoughts on airlines? I mean, they, uh, I mean, should they be ran like utilities and owned by the government? Uh, there's a lot of people in Congress saying that they shouldn't be able to buy back their stock. Um, I think that was part of the thing that held up the bill today was that they do not want the airlines to lay off any employees. I mean, what are your thoughts on airlines in general right now? Uh, I don't know. Airlines will all around the world, airlines will end up, their stock will be, end up being worth whatever the government of that country decides it should be worth. Um, that's it. None of them will survive without government assistance. And obviously the government is the one providing the assistance and also the one writing the laws so they can decide whatever they want. So in some countries, they may nationalize them. In some countries, they may tell them you can't have buybacks. In some countries, they may give them direct aid. It could be anything. So it just depends on what the government decides. So if you have insight into what government policy is going to be in the airline, I'm sure you can make a ton of money um, buying the right airline and you know uh, shorting the wrong airline or whatever. Um, but I, that's it. It's but just what about the United States? It's, well, I don't know. It's just what the government decides. So the government could decide anything. I mean, you have to pass these bills through Congress. So I'm sure they're lobbyists for airlines wanting certain things. But if, you know, Republicans and Democrats or one wing of the Democratic Party and the other or whatever can't agree on something, then at some point doing airlines this way or the other way is a bargaining chip that you just throw in along with everything else you put in a bill. So that'll happen with all these things. Like, you know, if they need the votes of someone in Florida, then cruise lines will be bailed out because Florida really needs the cruise lines bailed out. If, you know, someone who has a, needs the support of, you know, unions uh, for airlines or whatever, then there'll be certain things to help them out. Uh, you know, it, it will just be a matter of whatever is expedient for the government to pass certain bills and things like that. So I think it's very hard to predict what government policy will be. I think most people in government, most people in the United States don't particularly care one way or the other how it's done. It's not like they have some deep ideological thing that says, well, we, it has to be done by bailing them out, by not bailing them out, by saying that you can't have buybacks or you can, by nationalizing them, by taking stakes you can't vote, by doing whatever. I think it's just a, one of a million things that'll be thrown into bills and passed pretty quickly uh, at different emergency moments. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, when a government seizes an industry during wartime or something like that, it could be worth a lot, <laughs> depending on how they choose to turn it back over to the public at some point or not. And of course, if you're buying the common stock, it depends 100% on how governments choose to do this. So I think it's just a bet on government policy. I don't think there's anything, there's, I don't think there's any value in any airline except if you know what the government policy will be. And I'd say that's true for all airlines everywhere in the world. Got it. So out of all the companies we talked about today, Howard Hughes Corporation, Monarch Cement, Booking, Village, and Royal Caribbean, which company do you think people should, like which company would, would you be most interested in and you think people should take a look at? Booking. Booking. Yeah. Got it. And that is a company that's currently trading 
10 times earnings. It's still a massive company. <laughs> 10 um, times the earnings they used to have. They won't have any earnings. Yeah, now. well, yeah. That, that is very true. That is very true. Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with Jeff and myself on the Focus Compounding Daily. Again, we are going to be doing this Monday through Friday. Um, and definitely until we are able to record next to each other, there's just so much going on in the world. Everything's changing uh, minute by minute, day by day. And we're just trying to bring actual stuff to you. Uh, to be able to get that uh, Focus Compounding Daily from Jeff, the email in your email box every single day, go to focuscompounding.com and make sure you sign up for that by entering in your email. Also, if you do sign up on uh, Focus Compounding Premium, side of things use the podcast promo code which will take some money off of the subscription price and definitely as long as you do stay a member i want to thank everybody so much for tuning with jeff and myself and we will see you tomorrow